Well, good morning. I'm so happy to be here with you today. Thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. We are here to kick off Advent. Advent is the season of uh, the year in the church calendar where we celebrate the coming of Jesus in the form of a baby. One of the things I love about that video is that those are people that are sharing the Christmas story. Uh, it's families sharing with each other, um, all generations included. And one of the things that I think is really special is it reminds me that Christmas is celebrated all over the world. All those different languages that were represented there reminds me that there's people everywhere preparing to celebrate Christmas. I love that it's also not a perfect story. <laughs> one of the things I think is so funny is there's a huge angel. Did you catch that? Huge. Or the little cars with the sheep. You know, one of the things we want to make sure we're doing is we're just practicing to tell the story. And even though it may not be done perfectly, we want to be able to do that anyways. We could steal some of their ideas, though, right? It would be beautiful to sit down with our families and share the Christmas story together. I grew up in a Christian home, and I was super blessed to have parents who taught me about Jesus from a young age. And I was introduced to Advent um, as a child. Um, but as much as I love that video, that is not what our um, holiday storytelling always looked like. Um, I have three sisters, and we didn't always get along when we were learning about the stories. Can anyone relate? You try to sit down and have a devotion with your kids or tell a story, and all chaos breaks out. Um, I would definitely, I was the oldest, so I wanted to be in charge of everything. And uh, so it had to go my way, and if it didn't go my way, then that could, that could turn ugly. <laughs> so my kids are the same way. There were times when as um, my husband and I would be like, yes, let's do this, it's going to be amazing. And we'd leave, and we're like, oh, our family is awesome. And then there were other times where we're like, eh, we're done. Let's go to bed. <laughs> Story time over. So, you know, that's a beautiful thing to strive for, but not always realistic. I think the important thing is, is that we keep trying and we keep telling that story. So when we're discouraged, pick, the, pick ourselves back up and, and do that again. Well, as I mentioned, I have three sisters. I wanted to show you a picture of my family. Uh, just so we're clear, I am not the woman in the red dress. <laughs> that is my mom. Yes, we are twins, um, so, which is beautiful. But can you tell where I am in the picture? Anyone wager your guess? Pink dress. Very good. Yes, I'm up at the top um, in the pink dress. And then my sisters, uh, Beth, Mary, and Ruthie are um, all part of the family. That's 19 something or other. I'm not going to tell you how old I am by telling you what year that was, but it is, it's in the 70s. I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, the 1970s, somewhere in there. Uh, but my parents, uh, they, they tried their best to try to tell the story of Christmas with us, and I really appreciate that they did that. And what was unique about it is we did celebrate Advent, and we had an Advent wreath similar to what I have for you here. And one of the things we would argue over was who got to do what, because it was quite the process. We would get to light the candle, so anytime you got to play with fire as a kid, that was fun, right? And then we would get to read the story, um, whatever that looked like that night, and then the most important part was blowing out the candle. <laughs> it felt like a birthday party every time, right? But we weren't allowed to blow out the candle because um, when you did that, wax would fly all over the table. And that is not a good thing for tables or table coverings. So we would get to snuff out the candle. Who knows what a candle snuffer is? Anyone? Oh, there's a couple people that do. There are some that don't. I brought one with me today. Would you like to see it? This is what a candle snuffer looks like. So it's this beautiful little metal thing, and you would go over the candle, and you would just extinguish it. And it took, you had to be careful, because there was wet wax there that was hot, and you didn't want it to spill, so you carefully stuffed out. This is pretty much what we argued over, who got to do this. It was very special. <laughs> so, 
And I do remember it being special. I don't know if it's because we lit a candle, um, but I enjoyed it. And I, I think that it's because it was leading up to this Christmas season, this day of the year that is so special to us that we love. Similar to the winter, spring, summer, fall calendar seasons we have, the church has different seasons. And that's what Advent is. And I thought it would be kind of nice to give, I wanted to learn more about it, give a little history on it. So it's been around since the first century. And in the 1800s, there was a pastor who was explaining what Advent is, this countdown and preparation and anticipation of, of Christmas, to some youth. And so he came up with an object lesson. I love object lessons. They trigger memory for me. So this is what he came up with, and this is the original Advent wreath. He took basically a, um, a wheel well or of sorts, and he put candles in it, and it was in an effort to talk about anticipating Christmas. There's 20 small red candles and four large white ones for each day of the month, and the four white ones represented Sundays. It later evolved into kind of what you see here, uh, because we have traditionally will light these candles on the weekend that we gather together as a church. And so that's kind of a little lesson there. Each candle represents a different theme of the month, and so the first week of the month is hope. And that's what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about hope or longing. Advent is an opportunity to pause, to slow down, and to reflect on who Jesus is, and on Christmas. It's easy to get caught up in the hustle and bustle and busyness. We're still working. We have family gatherings. We've got Christmas parties, all kinds of things going on. We can find ourselves on Christmas that it went by in a blink of an eye and we didn't slow down and pause. In America, as we know, gift giving is a huge piece of our Christmas celebration. I think it's awesome. I love it. I love to give gifts. I love to receive gifts. It's a chance to practice generosity and thankfulness, right? So there are definitely good things about Christmas gift giving. But that's not really what I'm talking about today because the downside of that is we can get caught up in materialism and busyness and getting the perfect gift and expectations. Whew, all of a sudden, we're right back in that pattern, right? I'm talking more about the other aspect of Christmas, that gift that Jesus is to us this baby who came to earth in human form, the God that we love. So if you think about that from kind of an eternal perspective, let me ask you, what are you hoping for this Christmas? What are you hoping for? What am I hoping for this Christmas? I recognize for some of us, we are so excited that it's Christmas. Our homes are already decorated, probably have been for weeks. We can't wait to share the holidays and the celebrations with people, and it's an amazing, joy-filled time. For others of us, we wish it was already 2020. Just want to get through the holidays. We can't bear, I don't know how we're even going to do it. I can tell you that in my life I've experienced both realities. I've had seasons where everything was just so sweet and so amazing. And I've had other Christmases where I wasn't sure how I was going to get through it. And those are hard. Those are really hard. And I think that that's where hope comes in. 2011 was one of those seasons. Uh, it was a time um, when earlier that year, my husband had lost his job. And so we had a very specific prayer. Our prayer was for a new job for him. This was huge on so many levels, but most specifically because at the time that he lost his job, I was a stay-at-home mom, which I loved. So now I found myself needing to go to work 
multiple part-time jobs, not to put my kids through college, which is what I thought I would do, but to put food on the table and help pay our mortgage. It was frustrating, it was discouraging, and it lasted almost six years. Six years, yeah, right? It was hard. Imagine six Christmases in America with children unemployed. We found ourselves living moment to moment, many days, many days. And it wasn't the only trial we went through. A year later, in 2012, I had just found some lumps on my lower abdomen. We went into Christmas 2012 with him unemployed and me wondering if I had ovarian cancer. What in the world, Lord? <laughs> Why? Why is this happening? What's going on? At times, we felt hopeless. We felt hopeless. We were longing for relief from the financial stress. We were hoping for relief from the shame and stigma that comes with being unemployed that long. I wouldn't say that the people around us were ever unkind. It just felt like a really long time to be navigating the same trial. It felt hard. In Bible times, they were no um, strangers to suffering. They knew what it was like to struggle as well. And that's the beautiful part of being a Christ follower is I had God's word to turn to. And that's what we're going to do today. I want to um, invite you to turn to um, the book of Romans. We're actually going to be looking there today at the letter from Paul. So it's in uh, Romans 8. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me back up for a second. This is a picture of my family. <laughs> okay. This is Christmas 2011. And I thought I'd been thinking about this picture, and this was our reality um, so it's funny, we have lots of cool God moments, but this was Christmas Eve, and it reminds me, although I can laugh now years later at it, it reminds me that we had times when we were physically and emotionally exhausted. So this is after um, a very long evening of serving Christmas Eve services. So don't be discouraged, you should come, be part, part of those. <laughs> it actually is a really good time. <laughs> so um, we're going to turn to Romans 8. Um, in Bible times, um, prior to Jesus coming to the earth, they were anticipating and waving the arrival of Messiah. And we just finished studying the book of Malachi, and that's the last book in the Old Testament. And then there is what we know to be about a 400-year gap in information in the Bible. There's a 400-year period, what appears to be silence, of longing, waiting, hoping for this promised Messiah, the Savior of the world, to come. And during this time, it was hard. That's a long time to wait. It makes almost six years on our end seem really tiny, right? 400 years. <laughs> uh, but we know there were those that were waiting and longing and hoping for this to be true. I think of the, the characters in the Christmas story. I think of Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph, they are people that were ready, willing, and able and prepared to be part of that story. So we know that the hope continued in those dark times. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, I want to encourage you to saturate yourself in that story. Start in the book of Luke, take a look at some more um, things in the book of Matthew, but don't miss out on the story of Christmas and make that a part of your season. While Jesus was here, he, of course, was born on Christmas, and then uh, he had a life here. He went through some trials and some definite suffering. He died on a cross, and then he rose again, and all suffering in the world went away. Oh, right, no, that's not what the Bible says. <laughs> that's definitely not what the Bible says. We are not promised that. Actually, hard times continue. It continued for them in those days, and it continues for us today. So we can expect that to continue. 
And so that's why we're going to look at this um, letter to the Roman church. It was after Jesus' time, but the Apostle Paul gives them some incredible words of hope in the, t- in the midst of trials. And so we're going to look at that today. I'm reading from the New Living Translation version because I really like how it reads, and we're going to start with verse 18. It says, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Did you catch that? Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. That's one worth memorizing because there will be glory revealed to us later that is nothing compared to anything we're going through right now. That is the most hope-filled statement I can think of in my most dark and hopeless moments. This moment that I'm struggling with now is nothing compared to the glory. Lean into that. Verse 19 For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal to his children who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Isn't it interesting to think that all creation suffers death and decay alongside with us? I have a favorite place that I love to sit every morning in my home. Yes, I am a morning person. I'm one of those people. I can't wait to get up and have my cup of coffee and go find my spot. (laughs) I am that nerd. And so, uh, but it's beautiful to me because I get to watch um, as the sun comes up on occasion, especially this time of year. I have a big window, um, sliding glass door window that overlooks um, the, the neighborhoods behind me. I'm kind of up on a hill. And there are so many varieties of trees out there that I can't wait to go look at those in the morning. Uh, it just brings me such joy. And I think, first of all, the, uh, how blessed I am to live in California that all these varieties grow in the same spot. And that's a gift as well. But a couple months ago, one of my neighbors had to cut down this gorgeous pine tree because um, it had died. I was really sad about that because I thought, oh, I love that tree. It was one of the things I enjoyed getting up in the morning. And then it reminds me that all creation is suffering death and decay along with us. And someday, that will go away. Again, more hope, more hope. Verse 22, for we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. I've given birth three times. It is no picnic. (laughs) Childbirth pains are no joke, (laughs) gentlemen. (laughs) Um, They are hard. And this is interesting to think that that's the type of pains that, that creation and we can suffer through. Sometimes it will feel unbearable before it gets better. So we can, we can, um, I love that analogy. Verse 23, and we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. The older I get, the more excited I am for a new body. (laughs) These things start breaking down. That's another good promise. Verse 24, we were given this hope when we were saved. Stop for a minute and think about that. We were given this hope when we were saved. When we made the choice as Christ followers to place Jesus at the center of our lives, to turn our lives over to him, we were given this hope when we were saved. We said we believe Jesus is who he says he is, and we put all our trust and faith in him. We were given the gift of hope. That is such a blessing. I hope that you lean into that today for yourself. Um, If we already have something, we don't need hope for it. 
true statement. <laughs> but if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. We must wait patiently and confidently. I hate waiting. Anyone else hate waiting? I hate waiting. I want this trial over with yesterday. I want what I want and I want it now. <laughs> I don't like waiting for things. It's hard. And in this case, we are waiting patiently and confidently because our hope is in the Lord. So let me ask you again, what am I hoping for for Christmas? What are you hoping for for Christmas? The goal is an eternal perspective. You know, a, a, a hope centered around what we are confident will one day come, what we are patiently waiting for. And maybe it includes some suffering. And some of us might be hoping to exchange our hard times for good times. We might be hoping to exchange our hard times for good times. Wouldn't it be nice if we could do that? You know, walk up to a window and be like, I would like to exchange my hard times for some good times, please. <laughs> Today is a good day to do that. I've decided. <laughs> uh, be a, a little redemption, a little trade. But that's not how it works. We might be hoping for that, and that's okay. And that's where that verse in Romans comes in. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. We sit with hope in that. You know, when it comes to suffering and trials and hard times, it's universal and it's relative. First world suffering and third world suffering is still suffering. We certainly have room for a perspective check sometimes. <laughs> sometimes our, our version of hardships and trials can be a little skewed um, because we're, we have so much blessing. But never let that diminish the fact that each of us has something going on at times, trials that we have. Whatever we're going through right here, right now, in this place, at this time, it matters to God. It is suffering that we can walk through. And it is okay to ask why or to struggle with those things. That is okay. With an eternal perspective, we remember that our suffering is temporary and it won't last forever. As we ask why, we don't want to get stuck in that. I mean, God's not afraid of your questions. He, you can take everything to him. In fact, I'd encourage you to do that. There's nobody better to listen to our frustrations and our struggles and our whys. But we don't want to get stuck there. And that's why I think we're so blessed to have God's word to dive into and to look to. Let that be our, the first place we go to. Because if we back up in this letter of, uh, to the Romans, we see some words Paul wrote about suffering. And it gives us a glimpse of the why. He says in Romans 5, verse 3, we also glory in our sufferings because, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Our suffering produces perseverance. Whenever we persevere through something, we tend to feel good about it in the end because we got through it, we did it. It's something we're celebrating. And then perseverance develops character. Our character is refined and built to look more like Jesus as we persevere, which develops that hope, and that hope grows in the Lord. We couldn't get to that space without some trials. So maybe we need to ask, do we believe relief is coming? that relief that God promises us. Some of us may be honestly answering, no, I don't believe relief is coming. And I'll be honest, you could be right. We're not promised relief from all suffering in this world. There are things we could 
be navigating our entire earthly lives here. I get that. And that can leave us feeling hopeless. Hopelessness is like being stuck in the dark. You can't see any light around you, and you're wishing for a way out. It can be a really dark space, and we're desperate for a glimmer of light. The prophet Isaiah wrote about this, and this is before Jesus. Oops, sorry, I gotta go back. He says, we look for light, but all is darkness. For brightness, but we walk in deep shadows. They were no strangers to hard times. They were no strangers to darkness and, and this, this need for help and a glimmer of light. Someone told me this week, and I was reminded, um, that in order for there to be a shadow that he talks about, there has to be some light. So when we find ourselves walking in a dark shadow, we can be reminded that, that light exists. And that's how they felt, right? They were in a time of darkness, but they knew God was there with them. And that's how they were able to continue hoping and waiting and having faith that things would turn out as they said. Isaiah continues in uh, chapter 60, verse 1, and he says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the light Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. In the midst of the darkness, there was hope. Hope in God. The ancient church would light these Advent candles, and as the candles were lit, they were meant to remind them that Jesus is the light of the world. Isn't that a beautiful reminder? Whenever we see candlelight, that should trigger now, Jesus is the light of the world. He even calls himself that. He says in the book of John, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. When we have him in our lives, he is that light. He is that hope, and we can count on him. Jesus can give us freedom from our burdens because he is our hope. He is our hope, that suffering, those burdens that we experience. I have a favorite Christmas movie it's called It's a Wonderful Life. Are you familiar with it? <laughs> How many people have seen It's a Wonderful Life? Okay, a handful. How many have not seen It's a Wonderful Life? I need to see those hands up too. Okay, okay, interesting. All right. Um, we're actually going to be showing that as part of Christmas in Tierra Santa on Friday, so if you haven't seen it and just want to come watch it there or a piece of it, you can. Uh, I love it. It's one of my favorite movies. My family, we have a love-hate relationship with it. My kids hate the movie, and I love the movie. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to apologize now to those of you that haven't seen it. It's been out for a really long time, so spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you what the movie's about. Um, George Bailey is the main character, and he appears to have a life filled with frustrations and setbacks and disappointments. As a kid, he has an accident and loses part of his hearing, um, which impacts um, his future. He wants to go to college. That doesn't happen. He wants to travel the world. That doesn't happen. He wants to work anywhere but his dad's um, place of business. Guess where he works? His dad's place of business, right? He gets, um, has an epic financial crisis uh, towards the latter part of the movie, and he gets to a place of total hopelessness. You can kind of see why my kids are like, this movie's a downer. <laughs> but it's, it's a total hopelessness. I really, really appreciate it because it's so relatable. It's so relatable. It doesn't matter what age or stage of life we are in, we will have unmet expectations. Life will happen, and we will have burdens. Things will happen. What's burdening you today? 
Is there a frustration, a family trial, an illness, a sin habit, something that's just kind of weighing you down, that's keeping you from having joy today? I like to go to Jesus' words in the book of Matthew and uh, see what he has to say. And he says this in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what Advent should be? Light, refreshing, rest-filled. It can be when Jesus is our hope. We can take those burdens and give them to Jesus and experience rest and light and hope. In the movie, George gets to a place where he literally feels like the world would have been better off if he'd never been born. And he just wants the disappointments of life, those unmet expectations, all the mess to go away. We can kind of relate to that. I often felt um, that hopelessness and that distress as we were waiting for an employer to call, for an, any kind of interview to be set up, for an offer to come. I had many, many tear-filled, hard moments in those times. Life is hard, but there is hope. There is hope. Remember what he says, we long for our bodies to be free from sin and suffering. We long for that. When we have hope, it energizes us. Sorry, I missed a few slides. <laughs> there you go. Hope energizes us to live in the present and anticipate a better future. Love, hope energizes us to live in the present and anticipate a better future. We can get so caught up in the burdens and the stresses and the frustrations that we're missing out on the moment, the present moment right here, right now. Missing out on the conversations with the people in front of us, on the, the things going around that we want to be part of and fully present in. At the end of the movie, George get a gets a glimpse at all the good things that took place in his life because he lived the life as he was supposed to live it even within those frustrations. It's beautiful. He didn't have a promise that things were going to turn out okay for him, but all of a sudden he had hope. And so he runs back in to just take whatever happens. All of a sudden everything wasn't a frustration. Wouldn't it be great if we could live with that same hope? You know, Tommy and I were able to make it through that season of unemployment on his behalf because we had hope. And I'm so thankful that we did. I can't imagine doing it without that. We anticipated something better. We trusted that God would be with us in it, even through the hard times. And he was. There were so many great things. My husband worked so many crazy different odd jobs that he learned so many new skills that when the job offer finally came in, he was thoroughly equipped for that position. He was exactly where he needed to be at that time. Our children will say, man, I'm really glad that we had that season. Without that season, we don't know that we would have known our dad as well as we know him now. Their relationships are stronger and better from that trial. I was so frustrated that um, they had to work and do things on their own, but I saw them practice perseverance. I saw their character refined through it. Things I wanted to provide for them and couldn't, they figured out how to get on their own. 
how cool is that? <laughs> I wanted to protect and shelter them from a trial they needed to go through, and now they have come out on the other end, different people from having lived it. I ended up getting a full-time job. I didn't work part-time jobs the whole time, and that was a good thing as well. I'm so thankful for the opportunities I was given. We had hope. It was a good, ended up being a good season in spite of the suffering. That's what Advent is about. It's anticipation. It's waiting for Christ to come in his birth form, and that's what we're, we're celebrating this month, but it's also anticipation of his future coming, which he promises, and that's exciting as well. It's that future glory that will be revealed to all of us. And that's what hope is. So I haven't gotten a chance to tell you much about the Christmas story yet. <laughs> and that's what we are talking about, right, is Christmas. And so what I wanted to do was highlight a couple of people in the Christmas story that sometimes get overlooked because their part happens after Christmas and we don't always, um, we don't always hear about them. So there's a, it's in the latter part of Luke, chapter 2, and so I would encourage you to go back and look at that. Uh, but uh, their names are Simeon and Anna. So Simeon was told by God that he would get to see the Messiah, the Savior of the world, before he personally died. And so that's a crazy promise, but he's getting older and older and older and older <laughs> and wondering, when is this going to happen? He was extremely old. And the Holy Spirit prompted him to go to the temple one day, and it was the day that Jesus was being dedicated and he recognized Messiah and got to see that. He's living in a dark time with hope that he's going to see Messiah, and he did. That is so exciting. And so he walked over to Jesus and Mary and Joseph, and he prayed for Jesus. And he actually, in that prayer, calls him the light of the world. Isn't that sweet? And we take that on further. Then there's a woman named Anna. She was also older in age at this time. She was a widow. Her husband died seven years into their marriage, and she spent the rest of her life in the temple worshiping and praising God. And as she walks by, Simeon's praying for this baby, and she recognizes it as Messiah too. She got to see the baby. I sometimes think they spent so much time together in the temple, I wonder what their conversations look like. If she's like, wait, Simeon, is that him? <laughs> cool paid attention, was present in the moment, and got to see who Messiah was. God fulfilled that promise, and they had that hope restored. So make sure you check out that piece of the story. No matter what is going on around us, we can have hope. When we have hope, we are, are able to experience the joy, love, and peace that come with Christmas. Those are the themes of the next three weeks. Be sure you come back to hear about those the joy, love, and peace of Christmas. So for this week, it is Advent. What can we do to pause and reflect and enjoy the Advent season? I have several options for you because I love to have options. And uh, they are in the version app. There's two options that you can do. So if you don't have that app on your phone, I would encourage you to get it. But the first one is this. It's a, an Advent devotional. And you can pull out your phones now and scan the QR code even from your seat if you want to. Uh, this is 25 days of devotions that go through Christmas. And it begins with Genesis. Um, I uh, glanced at it this morning and thought, this is a really cool way to remember Christmas. So you can uh, do this um, on your own. I would encourage you to do it in community. Find another person in your family, friends, someone else to do this um, particular one with. All right, everyone get it? I see phones still up. I'm going to hold off a second. <laughs> if you can't get it, we'll, pull it, we'll put it back up later for sure. Wait one more second. All right, good job. Okay, then the next one is another QR code, Rediscovering Christmas. 
Uh, this is one that I'm personally going to be doing, and again, it's on the YouVersion app. This starts with, this, with Simeon and Anna, which I thought was a beautiful coincidence, <laughs> and it takes you through Christmas, but it also gives you another step in there where you can explore Christmas a little differently. You might be challenged with a prayer to say or, or something else to do, and so uh, you can look me up on the YouVersion um, app. Um, if you type in Sarah Patrick and request to be my friend, I will take you as my friend, and that would be amazing <laughs> to have you walk through this journey with me. Uh, this is great because if you've got um, kids at home or friends you want to do this with, um, you could actually do this um, with other people, like sitting around a table or something as well. All of the kids today are going home with an advent calendar that looks like this. Everyone get that one? Okay, get phones are down. Uh, it looks like this. This is amazing. This is super short. It's easy to do. Um, I would encourage you to try this out. It has days where they can cross it off, and it's their little countdown, anticipation to Christmas. Um, I am a child at heart. I will be doing this one. I think it's amazing. Day one, a young couple, Mary and Joseph, get engaged. Have each person in your family share their definition of the word joy. It's that simple. What's your definition of the word joy? So whether you um, have a family or not, this is something you can do, right? You can do this with your, by yourself or with other people. It's challenging us to remember, maybe we need to think about what is my definition of joy? And then hear the people around you as well. As I've been um, in my current seminary class, I've been really convicted and um, just excited to be challenged to have more conversations. Um, I'm studying specifically young adults and their spiritual journey, and the thing, the topic that keeps coming up is dialogue, that they are craving dialogue, a safe space to talk about their concerns, their questions, and their struggles in life. And one of the, the things that's missing is conversation. We've lost the art of conversation. And so because of that, there's a gap. And so this is a beautiful way to have an easy, non-hard um, conversation. What's your definition of joy? And then see where it goes. And then I would challenge you too, it's okay to agree to disagree on stuff, okay? They're free to be wrong, as are you. <laughs> so just have the conversation and smile at the end. Make it a safe space, <laughs> okay? Their definition of joy might be different than yours, and that is okay. I have a gift for you today. You may take one of these as well. They're going to be available for you on the way out, um, so everyone can have their own copy of this should you choose. Maybe you might consider getting an Advent wreath of your own, lighting a candle to make that time a little bit special and different. Uh, we, although I did this as a kid at dinner time with my family, my husband usually worked through the dinner hour, so we couldn't. We had to be creative with when we got together with our family. And sometimes we didn't get it done every day. We might do two or three in one day because we missed three. That is okay. Pick up where you left off. Don't be um, so rigid and then quit because you missed a day. Pick it back up again. That is no problem. Um, I would just encourage you to take this Advent season and be intentional about something. Be intentional about resting, relaxing, and enjoying the, a burden-free celebration of who Jesus is. So with that in mind, we're going to have an Advent moment to kick off our Advent season. So I'm going to light the candle, and we're going to watch a quick video, and then I'm going to pray before we close out. Lord God, we just thank you so much for just the message of hope. We thank you for being hope to us, Lord. We thank you for an opportunity to celebrate Advent, this eager anticipation we have in remembering the gift you were to come in the form of a baby. 
and to live the life that you lived so that we could spend eternity with you. God, that's such a beautiful and precious gift. Lord God, I just pray um, that as we step into today and tomorrow, that we would be people filled with hope and joy and peace and love because it's, those are the gifts from you that we want to lean into this Christmas. Jesus, we love you and we praise you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Before you head out, I just wanted to give you a quick blessing. This is also from, the, from Paul, and he wrote this to the believers at that time, and I wanted to pray this over you or just give you this blessing. Now may the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I just pray that over all of you this week and that you would have a blessed and beautiful beginning of your Advent season. Have a great day.